0: We're going to continue in our series, and uh, today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, I've, I've kind of, last week, you guys remember what we talked about last week? Communication. Well, that was disappointing. Wow. The nail. Somebody remembers the nail video. Yeah, we showed a video with a nail in it, and um, I don't even know where to go from here. Uh, so the series, From This Day Forward, uh, and, and I believe this with everything I am. No matter where you are in life, your stage of life, uh, what you've experienced, I believe that God always oper- offers us the opportunity to, to begin afresh from this day forward. And we've, we've, we've read this one passage uh, a, a couple of times. It just says um, that His mercies are new every morning. Isn't that, isn't that important to remember that God's mercies and His faithfulness knew every single morning for us. And sometimes that doesn't take away the consequences of our actions. We still have consequences to the ways that we live. But God, every single day, offers us a new opportunity to turn in a healthy direction. That's what this series is all about. With our relationships, um, we can begin afresh from this day moving forward, all of our relationships, marriage relationships, dating relationships, parenting relationships, all of those relationships. And, and, and the big takeaway for the series, so if you want to tune out the rest of the morning, if, if you want to like check out and you're, you're kind of done and you're doing something, something different, what we want above all else, here it is, the one thing I hope that we take away from this place is that prayer in our closest relationships, in our marriages and with our kids, is the game changer. If we could pray together, if we could simply begin praying together, and I know I, uh, uh, this is difficult for so many of us, even those of us uh, who have been in, in the faith for a long time, praying together is, a, for some reason, a difficult thing to do, but studies show us that prayer is a game changer. It just changes so many things, and it opens us up to a new level of relationships. And in the journal, if you don't have a journal, pick one up today on your way out. Uh, if you are a part of McDowell, they're $5 a piece. And um, for everyone else, if, you, if you're new, they're free. Just pick one up. Even if you never come back, we, we believe this could, could be helpful in your, in your faith journey. So pick one up. In the journal, we've given you every single day prayers that you can pray together whether you're a couple or with your kids. Um, I think we have a picture. Yeah, there are simple prayers throughout the journey, every single day that you could, you could just start praying together. And that's our, that's our takeaway. Now, the first week, we talked about keeping Christ central in our relationships, or in other words, seeking God together as a couple. What, what would that look like or as a family to keep Christ um, central in our relationships? And then the second week, we talked about communication. That was last week, communication. And there's this passage of Scripture um, that says this, that words kill or words give life. They're, they're either poison or they're fruit, and we get to decide. And I think every person in this room would agree with that reality, wouldn't we? That, that words, the, the, the words that we speak have such power in them. In our relationships with our spouses, people we're dating, um, in, in our relationships with our kids, like words are so very important. They'll either speak life into those around us or they'll take life. They'll suck life um, from those around us. Now, in communication, over time, we often lose connection with those that we love. And I want to just jump back for a second and, and kind of do an add-on from last week, and then we'll move after some, some more worship, we'll move into to it, another topic. But communication, what I often hear, uh, especially with parents and their kids— is it's uncomfortable to begin some levels of communication with one another. You know what I mean? Like, uh, to, to have conversations about God with our kids sometimes is uncomfortable. And so we have this thought that if it's uncomfortable, it's not something that we want to pursue. It's, it's uncomfortable. And this is, catch, the, catch this, that, that um, we will never normalize or make comfortable that which we never practice it will always be uncomfortable. The same thing is true for praying together. Praying together will never be normalized or comfortable if you don't practice it. Now, come on, this is true in every area of our lives, isn't it? Uh, Any golfers in the room, guys, women, any golfers? Yes, yes, we have some golfers. Um, The first time you swung a club, what was normal when you first swung a club is wrong. It's just not natural to swing a club correctly, right? You have to learn some things, and when you're learning those things, they're incredibly uncomfortable. I try to golf, I'm not a good golfer. I don't even call myself a golfer, I'm a hacker. And, and, and little pieces that you learn in your golf swing are, are, are just not natural. But for them to become natural, you have to practice them, right? Practice is what makes something normal in our lives. Um, Sean has no idea I'm about to do this. Hi, Sean. Hey. Sean is an uh, amazing guitarist. You guys, Sean is just. Um, Sean, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but one of his uh, distance, distant cousins is uh, someone named Janice Joplin. Have you ever heard of Janice <laughs> Joplin? So, um, ooh. So, um, play an F sharp minor. Okay. F sharp minor. There we go. F sharp minor. Go ahead. And then can you play it somewhere else on the guitar? That F sh- Yeah. There it is. Okay. So, so oh, now if you asked me to play an F sharp minor, number one, it wouldn't sound like that. <laughs> number two, it would take me a while to get my fingers to do what his fingers naturally do. Now, Sean, question. Did your fingers naturally do that when you picked up the guitar for the first time? No. So, so put your fingers in that position again. So number one, it's a bar chord. So your first finger is kind of cut across all of them. So you have to put pressure on the inside and then you've got to get your other fingers set in a certain way. That is not comfortable. Now, if you don't play guitar, you have no idea what I'm, what, what I'm talking about. But just looking at his fingers stretched out like that, you would think that's not natural. To get to a natural position you have to practice again and again. And when it comes to communication with our kids, with our spouses, when it comes to prayer, you will never normalize or make comfortable that which you never practice. You have to do what's uncomfortable for a short time before it ever becomes comfortable. Does that make sense? Are you with me? And here's, here's, here's the key piece of this is it's a choice that we make every single day. It's a choice. And the problem in our culture today and the problem in my life today is I usually follow feelings instead of making choices. Choices are what should lead us, and we should allow the feelings to follow thereafter. Does that make sense? Yeah. But so often in our culture today, we just follow our feelings. Like, we let the feelings lead us, and that leads us to chaos. If, if, if feelings are at the point or in leading us in communica- communication, prayer, all of those things... Um, we, it causes all kinds of problems. Now, um, communication, 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 so key to our relationships, the, the relationships that matter most. Now, this, this concept that choices lead and feelings follow uh, could be applied almost to every area of our lives, not just relationships. And let me, let me talk about one just for a minute as we enter into a time of worship. Worship, worship. So often we come into a a space like this week after week after week, and um, the the band leads us, and they're so good. Like we have an incredible band, yeah, yeah. Um, And they lead us, and they want to they want to lead us in worship. this isn't a performance, and sometimes we come in week after week, and um, you know. I really like that song. I don't really like that song. It didn't feel right. It just, I wasn't feeling it today. Like worship is a choice that we make, and we should do this on a daily basis, to turn our hearts and our minds toward God, to remember what's most important and to give God what, what, he's, what he's due. And um, I love those moments in worship where I kind of glance and just scan the room and I see people with their eyes closed and their hands lifted and um, this This concept, like that never probably felt comfortable when someone started doing that. like this this concept of like raising my hand. in fact, if you 've ever done that, the first time you did it, you probably thought to yourself, "I wonder who's watching me right now?" and if because feelings are not the best leaders. choices to worship, whether that 's with your hands lifted, whether that 's with your hands here, with your hands closed I mean. It's not about what you're doing as much as it is making a choice to get your mind and your heart directed at God. That's what worship is. And so choose today to worship. Choose to turn your heart and your mind toward God. Hear Him speak to you. I mean, not in audible ways, but but listen for Him and speak to Him whether it's through the words of these songs or a prayer of your heart, just speak to him. There's a cross here that is a a great place to come and write a prayer request and and put that on the cross as your way of giving that to God. Sometimes this has become a confessional for people to come and write something like, God, I just can't get past this in my life. Um, There's some things... That I read on on these, we pray over these as well. There's some things that I read here that I I realize that some of us are bound by addiction, and our prayer is, God, help us overcome the things that that hold us back. And so, if you want to come to this place and write a prayer, a confession, give that to God, and trust that His grace, His grace covers us in so many ways. There's candles in the back of the room, and light represents God's presence with us. The Bible kind of makes that clear. And so some of us walk into these rooms on Sundays and we feel very disconnected from God as if his presence isn't near us. And so maybe today you want to light a candle and just say, God, I pray that you would be with me. I pray that you would be with us. I pray that I would sense your spirit. And then there's communion around the room. And um, Jesus with his disciples, the night that he was betrayed, he said, hey, do this in remembrance of me. And he gave them this very symbolic, uh, a piece of bread that represented his body broken and a cup of, of, of wine that represented his blood, which was poured out for all of us. And so maybe today, as a, as a part of your worship, you simply want to be reminded and be thankful of God's sacrifice through Christ for you. So we want to just give you some space today to worship, to choose to worship, whether that's through song, moving around the room. Um, can we do that together as a community? Is that, is that good? Okay, so let's stand together, and I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to sing and worship God. Father, you are good. And um, just as true with our communication in our families, in our marriages, in our dating, uh, there are these uncomfortable pieces. God, sometimes when we come into this place and we we want to listen for you, we want to sing to you, it's, it's uncomfortable. But God, I pray that we would, I pray that we would choose to worship. That we would make normal this practicing of turning our hearts and our minds towards you. So God as we worship in this place, as we put Jesus at the center, Jesus alone above all else, I pray that all that we sing and all that we say and do would be pleasing in your sight so as we um, as we sat around that table talking with some some counselors and some therapists about family systems and and marriages specifically, and what are the, some of the main things that happen over time that create some issues? Asking the question are there some things we can do on the front end, some things we can be intentional about? The one thing that came up that I found interesting was this that over time, couples and families quit having fun together, that there's a fun hater in every relationship. No elbows, no elbows. Uh, no pointing at anyone right now. Uh, yesterday, Robin knew I was going to be talking about this, and she said, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you say because you are the fun hater in our family. <laughs> Led to great communication last night and, uh, <laughs> in our home. So this is what I want to talk about just for the next few minutes. Um, the decision, and this is a decision, to have serious fun and choose joy. To have serious fun and choose joy in our relationships. Now I think if you've been married, those of you who are married, for any amount of time, you would, you would agree that over time, the tendency is to quit doing the things that you did when you first started dating. And some of you are like, well, duh, because when we first start dating, we have to act as though we're going to do something they like doing. Robin often says to me, when we were dating, like you, I thought you loved dancing. And I was like, no, I loved being with you. And you love dancing, therefore I danced on occasion to trick you into marrying me. (laughs) And she did the same thing. She acted as though she enjoyed some things. She came to football games and she watched a little football with me. And she really had no interest in those things. But she wanted to enjoy our time together and have some fun. So what does it mean to have fun and choose joy. There's this passage of Scripture uh, that I think will we'll allow to, to guide a little bit of our, of, of our time as, as we, as we kind of work through this week. And it's Paul writing to uh, a church, a group of followers of Jesus, who are, who are wondering if the end is near. And some of us in our relationships, maybe we're wondering if the end is near. And so this is what he says, always be Joyful. Always be jo- joyful. And sometimes I think we, we, we forget this word joyful. In, in our culture, a lot of times we want to always be happy. And that's not what joy is. Joy isn't just happiness. It's a much deeper, richer experience. Joy is, is something that we find deep within us that, that um, regardless of external circumstances, joy is something we can choose to have, right? So he says, always be joyful. You know, regardless of the, of the external circumstances, be joyful and never stop, what's that word? Praying. Never stop praying. Again, if you've checked back in for a second, pray together. That's like the one t- like never stop praying together. We all need it. And you know what's interesting about prayer is no one ever turns it down can I pray for you? No, I'd rather not. If there is a God out there, I'd rather not have him on my side. So please do not pray. I mean, (laughs) nobody ever refuses prayer. Like, we'll always take prayer. So never stop praying. Never stop praying. And then be thankful in all circumstances. No matter what it is that you find yourself um, caught in, always be thankful. These are choices that we make, right? Right? Choices lead, feelings follow. If we make the right choices, our feelings will catch up to those choices that we're making. Make choices to have fun and choose joy. Now, I was thinking about this, uh, this concept that we, f- we fall into love and we fall out of love. I just fell out of love at some point. And I thought back to that old movie, movie You never close your eyes anymore when I... Some of you are like, I'm not going to embarrass myself like you, Matt. I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) You've lost that loving feeling. You guys remember this, that you've lost that loving feeling. And we have this concept that we fall into love and we fall out of love. The truth is we are choosing to do some things to put us in a position to fall into love. It's choices that get us there. And the feelings follow. Because, look, you, when you started dating, you, you, you made choices to be with that person, constantly thinking about that person that allowed the circumstances to lead to love. Your feelings would follow behind that. And so sometimes it's, it's important to remember to rekindle the love that you once had, you got to do the things you once did. And most of us quit doing the things that got us into a place of love got us to experiencing those things. This is true with our, our, our parenting as well. Uh, there are things that we've done early in our marriage, in our, in, our, in our parenting, when we have kids that we forget to do over time and we realize why things aren't the same as they used to be. Well, we'll sometimes to, to get what you once have, you've got to do the things you once did. Does that make sense? To rekindle those things, to, to fall back in love, you've got to do the things that you once did. Now, because I'm the fun hater in, in our family, according to my wife, I thought through what are some of the reasons why I hate fun so much. And, and I, came up, I came up with just a few reasons why I hate having fun. Here's the, first, here's the first thing. Maybe some of you would agree with this. The first reason that I hate fun is because I give my leftovers to my kids and my wife. Now, I'm serious. When we give the leftovers to those we love the most, there's there's really not much fun to be had. We're at the end of our rope. We've given our best to someone else, and we give our worst to those that we love the most. And because of that, we don't have any fun. We don't have anything in us. We have no more emotion in us to have fun. And listen, this happens in marriage again and again and again. We only give each other the leftovers, and we give our best to the things that we want to pursue out there. Come on, that's good preaching. I need an amen from that. And I mean, isn't that true? Married, married couples, like we just, we give each other the leftovers, and we, we quit having fun because we don't have anything left to give. And the second reason why I'm a fun hater is because I, and, and some of this is my personality, I am more task-oriented than I am relationally motivated. Does that make sense? Like so often, I'm, I'm just worried about getting a task done, and I forget about the relationships. And the relationships are the most important thing. This happens in our faith with, with God. So often we get into these, these habits of just checking little boxes, like I went to church today, maybe I gave some money, maybe I lit a candle, you know, we check some boxes, and, and those are tasks, and we forget it's the relationship that's most important with God. We forget the relational side, we do this in our marriages with our kids, uh, we're, we're so task-oriented, I've got to fix, every now and then Robin will go, can you just forget about making things better, and can you just focus on just being here? Now, I'm probably letting you know too much about my personality, Um <laughs> But there are times that I'm just way too focused on, can we get this better? Can we do this better? I've been thinking if we did this this way, we'd have more time. I'm just too, uh, I'm too task-oriented, and I've got I've to break away that and make choices to have fun. Um, last night's a great example. And I didn't even think about that. Uh, Robin and my youngest wanted to go fishing. My youngest well, Robin didn't want to go fishing. My youngest child wanted to go fishing and it was so hot outside. We had just finished dinner and I knew I had some things to do that I had to get done um, before the night was 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 over. And so I was like, I'm just gonna stay back. And she slipped off and I was like, here's the biggest example of this. Like I skipped an opportunity to fish when it was 105 degrees outside. <laughs> With my youngest, and you have to choose those things. You have to choose to have fun and be relationally motivated rather than task oriented. And the last reason is because we forget and we lose sight of what we really love in life. It all gets muddied, and we forget what it is that we love about those who are around us. Uh, One of the passages of scripture that you'll hear in almost every wedding ceremony I do, and um, it's just because I think it's so important as a reminder of this having fun and enjoying life together is this. It's from the Old Testament. It says this, relish life with the spouse you love each and every day. Relish life with that spouse each and every day. And then he says, because each day is God's gift to us. Like none of us, none of us know how many we have left. And I know that's depressing to even think about it, but it's true. Like, it could be gone tomorrow. Like, what we have, what you enjoy as a married couple could be gone. So each day is a gift from God. My grandmother just turned 90 last week or two weeks ago. And uh, I asked her, I said, so, 90? And she said, yep. She said, each day is a gift. She, She literally said that to me. Each day is a gift. And I said, well, you've got at least 20 more years in you. And she was like, I don't know how many I have, but it's a gift from God. And I love that, like each day that you have with your spouse, uh, with your kids, it's a gift from God and it will pass quickly. One day you'll look back and you'll think, where did the time go? And so it's, he says, make the most of each one, Solomon, make the most of each one, like whatever turns up, do it with all your heart. And so if you're checked back in for a second, if you're a, if you're a married couple, I can't, I, I can't say this enough, a date night a date night every week or every two weeks. Go on a date every week or every two weeks. And I know some of you might go that's too expensive. Well, don't go to Ruth's Chris. Go somewhere different. <laughs> go to McDonald's, go to In-N-Out, go on a hike, but a date night every week or every two weeks will change the way that you choose to have fun with one another and enjoy life. Date night, date night, date night. Especially of those those of you with young kids, choose a date night every week every two weeks. Choose it. Put it on your calendar and don't take it off. Date night, date night, date night. So you should go on a date date night. Awesome. You've got that one. Good deal. (laughs) Relish life. Now, uh, together, couples, families, there's some different ways to choose to have fun. And there are different things that are appropriate in different kinds of relationships. Are you following me? Some of you are like, not yet. I'll get there. There's a couple of these things that I want to talk about that apply to to probably a lot of people, dating relationships, relationships with your kids. And then there's certain things that apply to married couples. Now, are you following me? Okay, anyways, have fun. (laughs) Different levels of have fun. (laughs) Face-to-face fun. We have face-to-face fun. This is where we're sitting across from someone And we're experiencing something that could be fun with one another while we are relationally engaged with one another. Does that make sense? So like dinner together. uh, If you come here very long, you're going to say, Matt always talks about dinner. I think sitting around a table changes everything. I really do believe that. And it, it changes things with our spouse To have dinner with them or coffee or something where we're face-to-face. Table games. It's one of the reasons I asked you about table games and cards. I think if you put yourself in that situation, you enter into a new kind of relationship and you begin having fun on this level, this face-to-face relational level where you're forced to talk you're forced to at least have a conversation, or it's silly, awkward, and you don't want to be a part of it. Table games, just conversations, but face-to-face fun. It's important to do this not just with people we're dating or our spouses, but our kids as well, to sit across the table from each other and to just have relational enjoyment, joy with one another. Does that make sense? Are you with me on the face-to-face fun? Okay, you got a couple ideas of how to do that? Okay, there's another kind of fun Side-by-side, safe on this one too. Side-by-side, very appropriate in dating relationships. The other one was too with your kids. Side-by-side fun, movies, TVs, concerts, going on a hike, going on a walk. These are things you're doing side-by-side experiences together. And you know when we're really good at this? When we're dating, and then we quit. That's why you should have a date night every week or every two weeks. Have side by son, side fun. Um, women in the room who are married to husbands who are like me, who are fun haters and don't talk very often. Do you know when men, and, and research tells us this, do you know when men are most likely to talk? When they're either experiencing something they enjoy or they have just experienced something they enjoy. That's when men are most likely to open up conversationally, some of you are like that is so selfish. I know it is, but it's true. It's true. Men, we're most likely to open up when we've done something or we're doing something that we enjoy doing—hiking, golfing, those sort of things. When Rob and I started dating, and she was uh, still in the in the season of lying to me, trying to get me to fall in love with her, um, I asked her one night. I said, I said, hey. Um, do you enjoy jogging? Like I love to go on jogs and you want to go on a jog around the big block? And she was like, yeah, well, I'm going to go change. I'll be right back. And apparently she went up into a room and she, her roommate was a cross country runner and she was like, I have nothing to wear because Matt just asked me to go running and I've never been running and I don't know what to do. And um, side by side, like I was a lot more willing to open up conversationally when I was doing something that I enjoyed. This is just true about relationships. Now, listen, I'm not a big fisherman, but I'll fish with my youngest son because it causes him to open up and talk. Sometimes you have to do the things that you don't enjoy doing to enter into relationships that go deeper and conversations that begin to expose who we really are to one another. Does that make sense? Are you with me on this side-by-side fun, golf, whatever it is? Do it together. You got some ideas? You're there? Okay, one other way to have fun with one another. And I heard another pastor use this, and I thought, this is just brilliant. I'm going I'm to use this. This is appropriate in the marriage relationship. It is uh, belly button to belly button fun. <laughs> now, some things about belly button to belly button fun. I've learned this over time. Guys, it starts in the kitchen. Sometimes it ends in the kitchen, but it starts <laughs> in the kitchen. My wife hates when I talk about these things. But we need to have fun together, a lot of fun together. <laughs> oh, there's so many things. We can act like we're in junior high today. Um, <laughs> but seriously, um, guys, I, we get this. And, and sometimes uh, we, make, we make fun of this, that, that this kind of fun um, for men is more physical. And, and this is broad strokes, stereotypes. For men is more physical. For, for, for women it's more emotional. All of those things. Men, sometimes we need to work on our approach game. And it really does start in the kitchen, and if we want to get to a place that, that we experience belly button to belly button fun the way that God intended it, it's not just a physical thing. It's much deeper than that, and, and we have to be willing to enter into and move in these directions in ways that, that both people come to that place being relationally engaged. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it starts in the kitchen. Um, The physical follows the relational. The physical does follow the relational. And and we have to be willing to to use this and view this in healthy ways for it to be the kind of enjoyment that God wanted it to be. And then this last piece, some of you are like, what in the world does that mean? Um, God... God designed the sexual relationship, that kind that level of intimacy, to, to be a, a connection that we only share with our spouse. It's 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 something beyond anything else that we share with anyone else. Therefore, it's when I say it's sticky, what I mean is that it bonds us in a way that no other relationship does, no other experience does. It's, it's, it's sticky, and it's one of the reasons, I think, that when we, when we exercise those things, we enjoy this kind of fun outside of the marriage relationship, we, we, we begin to lose some of that stickiness that God gave us. And I think God can redeem and restore that, so that's not like hope is past for you, if, if that's something, but, but it's something that you, you can be redeemed, restored from. And when it's connected in marriage... It bonds us in a way that we've never been bonded with anyone else. Does that make sense? That's, that's kind of the joke about the stickiness of it. But this kind of fun in, in the marriage relationship is, is necessary for us, and it's something that God gave us to find joy in. I know we laugh about it, and I make jokes here and there, but the truth is it, it is a sacred thing that God has given married couples to experience in the bonds of marriage, not outside. So what does it mean to choose to have fun, have serious fun, and choose joy? Well, it means that we enter into these face-to-face, these side-by-side, the belly button-to-belly button in the, in the right setting, and we do these things so that we relationally connect to have fun, right? To, to find this joy that overcomes any experience uh, married people, parents of kids, those of you who are dating, over time, isn't it true that fun just begins to fade? And it becomes this roommates instead of soulmates. Well, in marriage, in families, in dating, fun is a God-given sacred attribute that we can choose to do. So the challenge for this week, pray together. We're going to tell you that every week. Pray together and choose to have fun with one another, whether it's a table game, whether it's a hike, whether it's a walk. Choose to have fun with one another in ways that maybe you've set aside in the past. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Yeah. So this last passage, let's see if we've, we've picked up some of it. Always be joyful. Always be joyful, regardless of the circumstances. Never stop praying, yeah, and be thankful in all circumstances. You want to know what God's will for your life is? Here it is. This is God's will for everyone who belongs to Christ. This is his will, that you would be joyful, that you would enter into prayer, connection with him, and that you would be thankful no matter what life gives. Aren't you so grateful for a God who made us relational beings? I am so (laughs) thankful for that. Yeah, he's given us He's given us one another to enjoy life with. We're not alone. None of us are alone. He's given us one another. Let's stand together. And um, I just want to say a benediction over you. And if you don't have a journal, pick up a journal today. This This is so helpful as we walk this out. So may God bless you and keep you. May God, through his spirit, give you great joy. Joy that does not come from external circumstances. And may you find in your most meaningful relationships, may you find a fulfillment that only God can provide as you have fun and as you choose that kind of joy. Amen? Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.